Turn with me this morning in Luke chapter 10. Pastor John is gone and he'll be gone next Sunday. He's serving the United States Army as a chaplain. And uh, next week, Brother Dave, our tech pastor, will be gone serving the United States again. We're glad to have these guys on staff and honoring the Lord with their service to our country. Amen. I want to say thank you to all my staff, which for two weeks operated, and I never uh, worried about it. I did not have any kind of, of worry or bother. I was, they actually left me alone. I got a few, couple of few texts and a few phone calls, but I want to thank them for taking care of business. I want to thank Brother Martin and John and Dave for filling the pulpit in very adequate biblical ways. Uh, we're all different, but thank God we have come from one book. Amen. And I'm so thankful that these gentlemen serve among us, and I uh, revere them, and I respect them, and I hope you do. Good people. Amen. We have a good congregation, don't we? It's a good church. Good to see all of you. I, uh, I'm going to turn to a verse of Scripture, a few verses that actually were presented last week. I was watching us live, and I know John brought some of these verses into his message, and I, I will just tell you when he did, I, I just felt the Spirit of the Lord taking me in this direction, and I thought, well, Lord, I can't do that. I'm coming right behind Pastor John and this thought, but I will assure you I'm not going to re-preach anything John preached. I just want to tell you that with that unction from the Spirit of the Lord, I, I feel like this needs to be said this morning. And so I'm going to be reading that and looking at it perhaps in a different way, to be honest with you, than I've ever thought about it. But it is my honor to follow the leadership of the Spirit of God. How many of you want to follow the Lord closely? So let's stand and read the Word of God, Luke 10. I always usually let you remain seated because you stand so long. But you know what? I stand longer than any of you. I said, one time, we're going to reverse this thing. I'm going to sit down while you stand. <laughs> I'm just having fun. It's okay to let your laughter loose every once in a while. Let's look at some, just a common, well, common day. I don't know if there was a common day in the life of Christ, but I think I know the humanity. Look at chapter 10, Luke. I want to look at verse 38. It happened as they, meaning Christ and his disciples, that they went that he entered a certain village, we know it to be Bethany, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Watch what it says about her, who, say it with me, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Let's say that again. Sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Say that with me. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him, meaning Christ, and said, anybody here in this room ever asked this same question? Lord, do you not care? Lord, do you not care? And can I say not just on powerful and important things, on even trivial things, do you ever feel like sometimes that everybody's being treated better than you? Of course we have. 
I want to tell you something I see humorous in a sense, a serious thing. The humanity, the humanity is amazing. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, watch this, this is, this is Martha saying to the Lord, you have authority that I don't have, but I want you to use your authority for my benefit. I've had that happen to me as a pastor many times. He said, she said, tell her to help me. I'll never forget, had a young man in trouble, and a uh, long time ago in a different state, I was a young pastor, and I got a call from the sheriff's department. He asked if I would come down and meet with him and a young man and the mother. I set in on that meeting because I, the, I hadn't known the sheriff, and I was a good friend with him, and he said, I think they need a touch of you here. And I went, well, I don't know what that means, but here I am. I noticed, though, this mother, something I've never forgotten. I watched as this mother absolutely looked over to that sheriff and said something just like Martha. You make him mind me. And she looked at me and wanted to use any authority or any figure or trust that I had. And he said, you tell him what God says to do, and that's mind me. Well, have you ever been used like that? Somebody try to get, here is, the, tell her to help me, verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. He didn't say Mary, Mary. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen, watch what he said, that good part which will not be taken from her. Father, walk with us through your word today. Let the Spirit of God speak, Lord, not only to our natural hearing, but to our spiritual ear. I say that today, Lord, not only in this room, but across this nation. I ask it that it glorify our Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning about the imperative of a spiritual perspective. I could say a biblical perspective. I could say a biblical worldview. But I want to talk about having constantly in the back of your mind and in your spirit, in your subconscious and in your conscience, a constant focus upon how God is acting and how he's operating and what's going on from God's perspective in our world. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We have just finished a Thanksgiving week and giving thanks, and I just want to say, it's one thing to thank God for what he's given us, what he's given us, what he's given us, and that is right because God as a father gives us things that he loves us about. We should be thankful for the things that he gives us, but let us not forget we should be more thankful for the giver than the gift. It is so important. Here we are in Bethany after this, at this Thanksgiving. Here they're dining with their family, and Jesus is a guest in this house with friends. Dinner's being prepared just like we just did, and duty calls. How many of you know somebody has to prepare the meal? 
Somebody has to do the logistical work. I will just tell you something. I've always struggled with this controversy between Mary and Martha. I've always had so many different kind of thoughts about it. These two sisters were Jesus, in a sense, close friends with their brother, brother Lazarus, as you know. Almost everyone, I think, when you consider this scene in Scripture, I think probably if you're conscientious and you have a, a heart that wants to know justice and right and wrong, and I think everybody, when you consider this scene, probably can't help but choose sides. It, it's just, it's almost compelling. Well, Lord, what about that? And, and Martha, what about this? And Mary, what about th- And I find myself sometimes in a cross pull here. Which, which is really necessary? Which is more admirable? In a sense, I understand the imperative of the spiritual, but I also understand the demand of the practical. And... I think they both have excellent qualities, but there must be a priority. Amen. Perhaps this story deals with our goals in life, what we have as a priority for us personally. But the important question I believe we should ask in this particular place is, what has our what is our attention on most of the time i want you to ask yourself the question what is what do i concentrate on most of the time what holds my attention what's in my subconscious and my conscience most of the time and i want to say that being a a a gracious host being polite serving company, being polite in our world. I still think chivalry should be part of what we practice in a society in America. I think character is important. I think integrity is important. I think being a good person on the job, employer, I think the Christian ought to be the best employee in the place. I don't think you ought to be late to work. Uh Uh-oh, there went some amen. I think you ought to be early to work. I think you ought to be early to work. I think your boss should know that's one person, one man, one young woman, young one, young man, as one woman and man I can depend on. I think that we should set an example in those kind of things, which is more necessary. But here we are. We get so busy, so distracted, even if we're dedicated as a conscientious employee, Martha has some things out of balance. She has no time for the Lord because she's so busy doing a good thing. Believers in 2021, we may be too busy doing good things sometime. I got one response. One thing's for sure. God, and for us living with him as our Lord in this life, God never pulls us out of life here on earth as a witness until he takes us to eternity. We are expected to operate in this natural world, but we do that with a spiritual mindset, a spiritual perspective at all times. Until we go to heaven, we're going to be dealing with life on this planet. But something and someone must take priority 
And Jesus teaches us that one imperative, there is one essential, one necessary thing that we must keep in our mind at all times, and that is a focus upon what the Word of God has to say about every moment in life, everything we conceive. It must be in our minds. Paul said, In one of the epistles, to pray always, pray without ceasing. I used to wonder how that could possibly be. But I've learned, ladies and gentlemen, I can pray while I'm driving and while I'm speaking. I can pray while I'm thinking. I can pray while I'm in a meeting. I have this subconscious concept of God that no matter what circumstance I'm in, I want to know the Spirit of God and what He speaks to me. Mary has responsibilities She has duties, and she's right to fulfill them. But in the midst of this, she kept a spiritual perspective as priority. I want to say something. You may think I've lost my mind. Sometimes you don't have to have turkey and dressing. Sometimes when you need to talk to God, you might need to even do without food. Or sometimes just a sandwich might do. Do you understand what I'm saying? We get so many priorities, sometimes we ought to say, it's time for me and the Lord and just us. But I want to talk more about this process as we live and have this constant focus upon the Lord and a biblical worldview. Number one, in these scriptures, I want you to notice, and Martin will be proud, I have three points, and they all start with C. I get a great effort there. First of all, I want to look at life's greatest concern. In verse 40, Martha was distracted with much serving, and she said, Lord, do you not care? My sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. What is her concern? She is concerned. She's dominated by that which is temporal. Mary, in verse 39, is sitting at Jesus' feet and concerned with her spiritual well-being. There must be a priority constantly upon our spiritual well-being. Ladies and gentlemen, we, may we never forget, life's imperative concern is my relationship every day, every moment with the King of kings and Lord of lords. In 20 and 21... This year and last year, I saw our society, for the first time at least experience in my life, we begin to wrestle with questions about what is essential. When we think about that, I think sometimes we think far more about, well, food and well, shelter and water and all these temporary things, and rightly so, we're human, we're on planet Earth, God makes provision for that, He has declared it understandable. But I want to tell you something. We begin to wrestle with what is essential even spiritually. Watch this. And when we start talking about essentials, we begin to categorize essentials. And our enemy used and has used, and I believe is using, and I can be in trouble, but I'm just going to say it anyway. I think he uses earthly temporal values. 
and temporal issues and political concerns and economic concerns and health concerns and governmental concerns and world dominance and concern of war and concern of future. And my Lord, the internet is covered in survival, survival, survival. These are a panorama, an array of distraction, if you will, to alter the focus of the believer and the possibility of the message bringing new sheep into the fold. And it has filled us, robbed us of faith and filled us with fear. And I think we ought to have the priorities of God's word. I want to tell you something. This book never changes. And I'm not talking about just when we think about it. I hope you get the idea that I think we ought to be biblical conscious in every part of our day, every part of our life. Here's the Messiah sitting in Martha's house, and Jesus is saying, Mary has the one imperative perspective. I want to say it again. I don't care how old and how archaic it sounds. I don't care how much the world wants to reject it. Listen, God said she has the one imperative perspective. My word, my promises, my plans, my sacrifice, my resurrection, my kingdom, my lordship, that's her priority. As if to say, Martha, do not let this world, and I say to you this morning through the Spirit, do not let this world and do not let its values and do not let its evil and its fears and its demands and its priorities distract you, Martha, from walking with God consciousness all the time, 24-7 in your life. Stay with the book and God in your spirit. This is why the house of God should not be closed, pandemic or no pandemic. You can agree with that or disagree with that, and I'm not judging your decisions, but I want you to know one of the most difficult things I did a year ago was not have service, so we took it outside. Now you can't. I don't even know if they'll let us do that. I want to tell you something. This is the reason the people of God should gather to corporate worship to keep a God consciousness and a biblical worldview inside of everything happening on this earth today. For the soul of the nation. God's people must be in his house, in his presence, and literally keep the nation pointed to an eternal direction. We have that responsibility. Jesus called it this, this, this can I say, it's the spirit of consciousness, if you will. He called it the good part. The time when we gather with him as we have this morning and we worship, we lift our hands, we open our hearts, and here by doing so, we enforce our faith. And in kinship and in fellowship, we realize the power of togetherness in God's spirit, and we receive his power into our spirit. Jesus called that the good part, and I like the good part. How about you? for the individual and for the marriage and for the family and for the community and it's for the nation. Second Peter chapter one, verse three, he, Christ, his divine nature, it says, has given to us all things that pertain to life 
and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory. Watch this. That's the spiritual part. And then by virtue. Don't miss that. Virtue, it means he calls us to discipleship, meaning discipline. He calls us to excellence. That word actually means manhood or a strength or a discipline to follow through. Jesus says, I have given you this divine power by glory, but also by virtue. You know what he's saying? I expect you to live this no matter what happens on this planet. I expect you to live this on this planet no matter what happens. I don't care how tempted you are, and I don't care how sweet the perfume and the cologne. I expect you to live this book in virtue. Pastor, what are you saying? We, today, it's just okay. Well, we compromise. Well, I just had a weak moment. God says, I've given you everything to be disciplined. Verse 4, he's given us great and precious promises, and he has given us a divine nature, a twice-born spirit-conscious nature to combat this world every moment of our lives. We do not have to succumb to an enemy that is not a decent rival to the God our Father. Amen. I just want to make sure we understand today, God, by paying the price of salvation, expects us to live it. He expects us to live it. The scripture says you're without excuse, old man. Wow. An eternal direction. Constantly. Listen, when we're tempted, it comes and we stay the course. When we have a decision to make, that word comes and we make a decision. When we're responsible, that word comes and we meet our responsibility. I think this generation should hear. COVID-19 perils should hear. Christ is our spiritual food. He said, I am the bread of life. Christ says, our, he is our spiritual drink. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink of the water of life. He is saying one thing is essential. One thing is important. One thing is imperative. What Mary had, and that was living in fellowship and obedience and in witness every moment of the day because there's a spiritual perspective that I will give you every moment. And we even as Christians have to consider this. Mary and Martha were both believers, but they had to make, and that's my next point, a choice. So I'm going to ask you, what is the priority of your life? And there's a lot of priorities that come and try to rob us from the really good things. How many of you believe that your employment's important? I do. How many of you believe that getting the right mate's important? I do. How many of you believe that integrity and character is important? Those are all important, but nothing's more important than my relationship with God. So many people are chasing careers. So many people are chasing the almighty dollar. So many people are chasing power and fame and fortune. And it's, like, it's almost like a maddening business. And God says that the spirit thing should be the priority of our lives. 
I know I'm not going to get many amens, and, and especially probably online, but I want to tell you, our world's value system is all messed up. I saw something on the Facebook the other day. Most of you know that I'll read it. I'll say happy birthday or something, but that's about I'm I'm, I'm not going to put my life out there for the world to live and see it all. I don't want people to know. Every, I, 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 I'm a private person. <laughs> and if you want to live out there, you live out there. But I want to tell you, don't, ex, don't, don't be surprised that it doesn't bite you. Oh, pastor, you just have a wrong idea. Yeah, probably. Too, too much of a country boy. I just think you ought to sometimes not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. There's a lot of you want to say amen, but you're afraid of the person neck down the row from you. <laughs> I just see people put on pictures of this is how I, I did this, this is how I did this, and that is, and I don't know how to just go. Okay. <laughs> You, you, you don't think I have a bad attitude. I really don't. I'm just talking about priorities. You got to make a choice. And that's my next point, life's greatest choice. Jesus said Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen to pursue Christ. Verse 39, she sat at his feet and she drank in his words. Mary's, this, let me tell you what that says about Mary. And this is the difference between a nominal Christian and say, I'm a Christian, and people that really are. Because not everybody that says they're Christian knows anything about Christianity. They, Mary's heart said, I want to know him more. My spirit longs and yearns for him more. I want my love to grow deeper. I want to know his thoughts. I want to hear his breath and feel it upon my life. As for me, I want to walk close to the calling of my life. I want to fulfill that calling to glorify Christ. I want to be filled with his peace that exceeds my comprehension of it. And when this world is all in distortion, when it's all in, in its turmoil, I want to know that God says, I'll be with you even to the end. John 14, 6, Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father, say it with me, except through me. Except through me. Watch it. And with that, with that statement, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. With that statement, Jesus himself brings every man and woman and young person to life's greatest choice. What and who are you going to live for? My decision, people bring, brought to that decision Will they say, well, I'll search for another? If, if you're not a Christian and you're, you don't know about the Lord and relationship with him, you're online this morning, can I tell you that a lot of people coming to that choice, they will say, well, do I look for another? Because I want to tell you there are many that are looking for many others. Can I tell you, read the thousands years of history, no other has ever prevailed for your eternity. Every other prophet that's ever come has died and he's still dead. 
except for one. And he himself said, I'm the one who has the power to lay it down, and I have the power to pick it back up. He's talking about his life. He has the power to pick your life up. He's the only one. He's the only one. Well, I say I'll try to find another. Millions have tried it. No one's ever prevailed. Well, I, I'll continue to live in sin without a Savior. That's an important choice. It's life's most important choice. My decision, ladies and gentlemen, even the believer has to make this decision every day. It's called take up your cross and follow him. It's not I prayed when I was seven years old and I'm set forever. I want to, I want to tell you, your, your lifestyle witnesses whether you are genuinely born again or not. Well, I'm in the grace, I'm in the grace. We have done despite to the grace of the Lord. Am I God conscious? Do I know Him? Does my heart speak with Him? Do I hear His voice in every chapter of my life? When the whole world's going against me, I can hear Him say, I can hear Him say, many, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I deliver them from them all. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. How many of you know life takes on some turns? Some of us have no ability to ch correct or change. How many of you know life has some surprises? But I want to tell you, God's the same. God is the same. I will listen to, and I will be controlled by the king, not this world. I will keep an up-to-date, every-moment relationship with the Savior of my eternal soul. I want you to note something. By this story, everyone knows Mary's choice. Everyone knows her testimony. Everyone knows Mary's priorities. I'm going to ask you, do your friends know your priority? Does your family know your priority? Do they know does her lifestyle say that I have chosen Christ for eternity? You say, Pastor, I don't think you ought to push that hard. I do because I think we're in the end time. It's time to make a decision. Whose side am I on? Everybody knew whose side Mary was on. I hope I live and speak and witness enough to know that nobody has to ever question whose side. When I put the uniform of a United States soldier on, in my young days, when Uncle Sam gave me greetings and said, we'd like to have your service for a while. When I put that uniform on and all the patches and I got the rank and all those things, I want to tell you, I was proud to be an American soldier and nobody had to wonder whose side I was on. Nobody. Brings me to my third point. Life's greatest comfort. <laughs> I want you to notice how verse 42 ended. Notice what it said. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, what she has committed to me, 
I'm able to keep it. She is saying what she has received from me, a second birth, <coughs> an imparted Holy Spirit into her life cannot be destroyed. I just want to say Mary can sing it as well with my soul. Mary can say on Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Young person, mom and dad, this is life's greatest values. These are life's greatest treasure. I am in him and he is in me. And ladies and gentlemen, we are in a relationship that lasts forever. One of the greatest documents that ever came out of the Protestant Reformation was the Heidelberg Catechism. And I understand there's some doctrinal differences. I understand that. I've studied them. I've looked at them. But I just want to show you something. In that great document, there were many others. The first question it asks, I think, is important. The first question in the Heidelberg Catechism was this. What is your only comfort in life and in death? I think that's a great question. Do you have something in your worst moment that gives you hope? Is there something in your worst hour that gives you assurance or comfort? Here's the question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And the Heidelberg Catechism's answer was this. Listen to the answer. That I am not my own, but belong, soul and body, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you ought to be shouting. How many of you are glad that in life or in death, you know you belong to Him? He has fully paid for my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that without the will of my Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life. And catch this, this is the crux of the message this morning, and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. I don't just have religion. I have a relationship with my Father whom I want to please with everything in me. Here's what's amazing. Through His blood and through His finished work, I am pleasing to Him. Oh, Brooks, wait a minute, Brooks. I've been declared righteous only by the blood of Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, I need to keep God and His Spirit in my mind all hours of the day. What an answer. So I want to say, Generation 2021, <clears throat> I want to say to the young people, elderly people alike, 
whether you're a great-great-grandparent or just a child, there is one important imperative in your life. From the cradle to the coffin, at all costs, you must maintain a spiritual, biblical perspective. It should guide your thoughts. It should guide your decisions. It should guide your values. It should guide everything that happens to you in your life. Can I say without sounding super spiritual? I've been taught all my life, whatever comes, the first thing you do is talk to the Savior about it. And I'm afraid we're in a Christianity today where we try everything else and use God as a last resort. And there's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. Listen, if you don't know this, we're in the last days and we're under a delusion. There is satanic blindness on this planet Earth right now that I have never witnessed in my lifetime. If you don't believe it, go to Washington. We're living in insanity. I'll cool it. Maybe. We are insane. I could get in so many political things here. Defund the police. How many of you'd like me to chase that rabbit trail a minute? Are you serious? Without law and order, we have no civilization. Without rules and regulations that were not meant to be disobeyed, but obeyed. It's a rule that God set so that we can live in peace and in harmony and have some kind of fun and fullness in life. But you take these rules and you throw them all away and live in rebellion, rebellion always ends up in catastrophe. <sighs> We're in a delusion. I saw on the Facebook, started to say well ago, I don't know what it was. I just go through them and see if my friends, or if I try to say happy birthday or something. I came to this, you, you come to all kinds of stuff. I came to this, I don't know, I, I don't even know what it was. But it was a lady and she was in a two-piece bathing suit. Of course, you had all these comments. But one person said something about, don't forget something about heaven. And the very next response to that was, I want you to just go away. If you think that our world isn't in an opinion today, that when we believe what we believe and we stand for what we stand, they're wanting us to just go away. They want nothing to do with a conscience or responsibility. I may even know I just told us the truth. Don't put any restrictions, any restraints. Don't put any regulations on me. I want to tell you something. We were born. We were born to serve the Lord. And this delusion, this delusion is, I believe, the strongest delusion that's ever been on planet Earth because Satan knows his time is short. I think we ought to just pray against that delusion.
I think you and I ought to live in a sense of God. I stand in the power and the authority. Don't let my children, don't let my grandchildren, Lord, don't let my friends, God, don't let my fellow employees be under that delusion. I'll finish with this. I must maintain God in my consciousness at all times. Here's why. For me, He pleads His righteousness. For me, He pleads His great sacrifice. For me, He pleads triumph over sin. My greatest comfort, which is my last point, is that I belong to Him. Because of my second point, my greatest choice is because I chose Him. And my great comfort and my great choice is because of the great concern in life, who will I serve? I love what Joshua said. As for me and my house, who are we going to serve? We're going to serve the Lord. I'm so glad when I was a kid, this is going to take me back. You're going to date me, but it's okay. I said, as the old song said, take this whole world. Take this whole world. And I say it again this morning. Take this whole world. Everything that's in it and all that it offers and all of it's good, but especially all of it's bad. Take the whole world. But my soul and my spirit and my body and everything in me says, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back, no turning.